When I came to Australia, I didn't like the work pants I could buy here. So I went when I went back to Germany, I bought a couple of pants, these um, German work pants, really super sturdy, thick, um, traditional German work pants and came back to Australia. And a lot of people asked me, oh, they are awesome. Can yeah. I have one? Can I have one? Squeegeening podcast season two. This podcast is sponsored by Blind Maggot, Magnacolas, M&R, Target Transfers, and Adobe Creative Suite. Uh, I'm Bastian. I'm uh, running Fritz Print in uh, Melbourne, and uh, we are specialized in uh, water-based printing. Um, we don't do any plastizoid. Um, I'm in Australia for 10 years now, 11 years now. And uh, we just started the shop last year. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Can you can you explain like what you were doing? Like you were working in another shop, weren't you? And like what led to you thinking you want to go out on your own and start up your own studio? Yeah, I had this plan like uh, uh, a long time already. I am um, I'm printing for 20 years now and I started screen printing in Berlin and um I had that plan back in the days already. And then for was, yeah, some coincidence made me go to Australia and, um, and I got a job here very quickly as a screen printer and um, worked with the shop for 10 years. Was first like um, helping hand, senior printer, production manager, general manager. And then after 10 years, I felt like uh, it's time to, to do your own stuff. Yeah. Um, is that like a path that you would suggest for other people to like work in someone else's studio, learn the ropes, see if it's definitely for you and see if it's something that you can take on as yourself? Uh, yes, uh, I think so. Uh, I think it's pretty hard if you just start by yourself without knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, um, yeah, it's always good to learn a bit before you, before you uh, jump on the deep end, you know? Yeah, 100%. So like you're saying you just do water-based, was it, were you just doing water-based in the other studio as well? Or is that something you thought, no, in my studio, I'm going to have, these are the changes that I'm going to put in my place? Yeah, exactly. So we mainly use Plastizol. Um, we printed water-based as well, but uh, mainly it's a Plastizol shop. And I wanted to... Um, get rid of all the dirty screens that are piling up. I wanted to get rid of a lot of chemicals you need to use for Plastizol. Um, and I, I, I printed with, uh, with Waterbase in the very beginning when I started. I like Waterbase, I like the feeling and um, not many people printing like that many colors, um, just Waterbase based. And um, I think that would be a good, I thought it, that would be a good idea, so. Yeah. And here I am. <laughs> yeah, perfect. So like yeah. what kind of like um, suppliers and manufacturers do you, and like brands of ink do you have over there? Like, I think you have Magna Colors, is that right? Or Yes, exactly. We print with Magna Colors. Mm -hmm. um, you have Permaset as well. And um, for a while we were printing with Matsui, um, but they, um, they don't have a distributor in Australia anymore. So, and then I, then we changed to uh, Magna and that's what I print with. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it. I like it very much. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard anyone going to Magna Colors and then going back to anything else, which is yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah, sign, exactly. isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. And they seem to be like developing more 
like inks for speciality stuff do you do you ever like print onto like and slightly unusual fabrics like pure polyester or do you use any of those kind of things or are you mainly yeah i use um gray blocker base quite a bit um mm -hmm. for polyester stuff like uh, basketball uniforms and all this sporty stuff mm -hmm. um what I like as well with Magna is that they have like a lot of specialties like puff and uh, the the um, glitter and the bling um, is really nice inks. Um, so you're really not like short of um, what you could use with Plastisol as well. Basically, you can print the same the, the same special stuff. So yeah. um, that's really really nice. Yeah, I've seen that on your Instagram. You're like it's literally gone like puff bling. And then like something with like crazy half tones in it. So there's like no yeah, restrictions exactly. in your studio, are there? <laughs> exactly. And that's I think a lot of people think that you're restricted with water based a lot. Um, but you're not, mm. actually. So you can yeah. do basically everything what people can do with plastisol as well. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent They're actually trying to develop a a blocker that's white instead of gray. And they said that like, would the be challenge. A good one. Yeah, apparently, like I was like, what use case is that? But apparently it's so that like when you look from the other side of the fabric, it doesn't look like this crazy dark print. It looks a little bit more like part of the fabric, perhaps. But um, Yeah, it's probably good for the coverage as well. Do you reckon? Hmm. Probably, yeah, if you don't have a grey blocker, but a white blocker mm. that makes like the top white shine a bit more. Oh, I can, yeah, of course. I can imagine. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. I haven't thought of that. There's a really weird thing that I learned at Magna Colors actually when I was going around, but they said that if you're trying to do anything slightly transparent or like uh, metallic, that actually putting a dark underbase under it helps helps it actually reflect the light back at you. And that just doesn't yeah. make sense in my head. <laughs> um, with glitter, you have that. Um, yeah. uh, if you print like glitter on a black base, it looks way better than on a white base because the mm. white is just absorbing the the the, the glitter. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, we had that, but that's the same with plastisol as well. Yeah. So we it, did it, that um, yeah. a couple of times where, where you have like a, a bright glitter on top and then you print a black black base or dark gray or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something that you just very quickly said earlier was that you don't want all the screens laying around with Plastisol because that is a habit that people who print with Plastisol Inc. have that we're left to like uh, leave it on there, nothing's going to happen to that screen. So That's you just right. don't you just don't want those clogging up production, don't want that laziness with the press operators that they yeah, can't have a list. <laughs> it's first, it's laziness, and second, it's like really shit work. If you get someone in and pay him an hourly rate to clean like a whole day plus these old screens, oh, yeah. I feel bad. So yeah. whatever you pay him, it's like really, really bad. And then <laughs> they're standing there with mask and gloves and uh, and you you can't do that for that long. But it's like if you print with plastisol, it's they are going to pile up. You can't really keep up. You know, it's otherwise it's like disturbing the production if you clean the screen straight away after 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 you take it down um yeah. but yeah it's and i find it so much nicer to like just clean them quickly with water and then they are done you know mm -hmm. then they can go like either in the stripping pile or back on the shelf um i like that very much so you yeah. don't have like these hundreds of screens standing around waiting for someone to come in and ruining ruin its day you know 
Yeah, it's always going to be poor, some poor bugger. It's I, I find it quite therapeutic because I can have my headphones on and, you know, but yeah, I do get that it is is a messy job. And it's actually yeah. not completely unskilled. It's actually like if you're not wanting them to spread the ink everywhere, you actually have to teach them like processes and That's standards right. and lots of different things. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's interesting. I Just feel a, that's a bit like with a lot of things where you think like, it's so common sense and so normal. And then you get someone new in and you realize how it's not, <laughs> how you have to really explain everything. You know, you yeah. sometimes you tend to forget that when you, when you like um, for years in the business. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, can you, can you talk to me about like your client base and whether they're asking for like those inks or if it's, like what what kind of clients are you normally servicing because you said you you have got like sportswear and stuff like that is it very general yeah i do sportswear um um that um they didn't ask for water base at all they were a bit like um afraid of it mm-hmm. i think um yeah. they were a bit like oh really um what's the difference and would it look <laughs> the same and a bit like that um i have other clients who um who really like that um i i do a bit of contract printing um some of them really like that i'm doing water base um and apart from that like clients that walk in um often i have to explain what water base is and often you get that oh is it the same and does it wash off and (laughs) um um, stuff like that it's not that common yet here or like well known or something you know well, do you know how you're talking about contract printing? I always feel like they've got this sample that they've had made and then they're trying to get you to match that. So if you then say, oh, yeah, but I only print with water-based ink, I can't match your sample. I can better it, but it's going to be different. Like, is yeah. that a challenge that you've had? Uh, yes, that happens. If you say, like, um, it won't look exactly the same, um, it probably looks better, but it <laughs> doesn't look like that it will feel better so yeah i had that um Mm. but usually that was not a problem once they received the first print yeah yeah because the 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 touch is just so much nicer than it's plus design yeah so you're just having to spend a little bit of time changing their minds but then they get it once they have the shirt exactly you have to bit explain it you know Uh, i think a lot of people think when you when you say water-based they think it's washing off yeah (laughs) So, <laughs> I've, I've had that reaction as well um yeah. yeah um I was talking to this other studio and they're an American studio and they were talking about how they've got some contracts some I don't know what you'd call it commercial work normal business work um and they were talking about like how you weigh up the two on like how much commercial work you're doing and how much of the contracts so that they don't disturb each other um I was just like wondering how you figure out your ratio of which like what works for your studio like how much of the contract you want to take on and how you work out if it's still profitable yeah that depends also a bit on the clients you know um if you have like a how you call it like a commercial client who prints regularly 500 t-shirts um that's basically the client you want to have yeah um if you have the same contract with the same um quantities you make less money because you don't earn money on the garments, so you're not mm-hmm. selling the garments. So um, you want to have like um, a proper ratio. I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure what that 
proper and healthy ratio is. So um, sometimes I do a lot of contract work where I think like, can't just someone walk into the door and, um, uh, (laughs) you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but um, I think, so if you get like a ratio of 60, 40, like 60 commercial and 40 contract printing, I think that's pretty good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds reasonable. I'm aiming for that. Yeah. Because that kind of makes sense in my head because it's like 40% keeps the lights on, keeps all the supplies paid for, maybe even keeps the people, your wages paid. And then the 60 is like the bit that you can make the real like high margin on because you're charging for the garments. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So when, when you're supplying like normal customers and you're suggesting for example like garments and things are you making them are you like guiding them towards certain brands of blanks or are you letting them oh yes 100 yeah what kind of stuff yeah, are you pushing them to yeah um so we print mainly on as color garments mm-hmm. um and i think i mean like they're from new zealand i think they're in england right now as yeah. well yeah yeah i didn't realize they're a new zealand brand that's cool yeah, yeah, it's a New Zealand brand, and they started here ten years ago, or oh. even a bit longer. And um, I really like them. It's really nice garments. They are dollar more expensive than the cheaper ones, but it is better quality. And so I try to push the people a bit in this direction. Mm. And often, when you show them samples, um, when you say like that's one dollar more, it prints nicer, it looks nicer, it feels a lot nicer. Um, they usually go for it. Yeah. No, yeah. I've, I've, I've found that the higher quality comments always do come back because I even get customers who've come to us, got their garments, and then maybe they've even tried someone a bit cheaper and then they go, oh, shit, I messed up. Came back to us to try and get our service again and we're like why what why are you coming back why aren't you sticking with the other guy and they're like oh we made a mistake they're like got holes in them and <laughs> maybe the yeah. print wasn't the same so yeah, yeah it's funny it's funny that we can all produce but that's different also things. like when you print like on a good quality garment or mm. on, a, on a cheap garment you see the difference the yeah. print looks cheaper on a cheaper yeah. garment that's that's what it is mm. so yeah yeah uh, do you have on your press um can you talk to us about your press and do you have one of those like stampinator presses like one of those heat press kind of do you know people are putting on their on one head of their press now they're like it's almost like a heat press for one oh, of the, the hot patterns. roller the hot you'll call it a hot roller yeah do you have one of yeah. those no i don't i don't we had one on the uh, on the old press uh, with the plastic oil i'm not sure if i actually need it with water base yeah. Um, because it's so nice and flat anyways. Mm. Uh, I wanted to try that out, but the roller is 450 bucks for my press or something. Mm-hmm. So and I didn't really feel that I needed. So mm-hmm. I didn't do it. When I have like a bit spare money, I think I buy one and just do it just to see what how it comes out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's great. We use that all the time. Um, we used actually not just the roller, but like a heated roller mm. from m they have one yeah so it's got like the it's basically like ironing it yeah do do you think it's harsh of me to say that that's kind of printers are using that to compensate for crappy garments because that's that's what it is in my head I'm thinking like 
sometimes they've got a shitty garment and it's fibrillating and then they're just heat pressing it. They're rolling it to flatten it out because they haven't got a good garment. But if they did swap up to something like AS Color or Stanisella or something, then it would be smoother and they wouldn't need it anyway. Mm, I think it does make it I think it does make it smoother anyways, even mm. on a good garment. You, even okay. on, the, on a high quality garment, if you, you you can feel the difference if you print it with a hot roller or without. I think yeah. you can or you can make up for it, obviously, when you have a cheap garment and then that fixes the fibrillation a bit and stuff and makes it all a bit look nicer. Mm. Um, but I think it has also an effect on on good garments. Yeah, 100%. It feels yeah. smoother as well. Yeah. What what kind of choices did you make for your press? Was it what you could afford at the time or did you do like a lot of research for buying your press for your own studio? Um, that was like a coincidence, basically. Um, okay. I had like a small six color hand carousel, but then I decided already that I do my own stuff. And then I saw this press on eBay um, someone sold them in Queensland mm -hmm. and I called him and he said like my press is awesome looks great always good service and then I called um, it's a test uh, and tests they are sitting uh, not far away here in, uh, in Melbourne Dandino. and then I called the technician uh, from Tess oh, and he said like oh, yeah exactly and then he said like no no it's a great machine they had like the documentation about servicing and stuff like that and he said, like, oh, you can't do really anything wrong there for that price. Mm. Um, and then I bought it. Yeah. And without seeing it, <laughs> without knowing if it actually runs, um, but um, turned out well. So yeah. when it arrived here, I had the test guys coming, setting it up, um, and it works all fine. I mean, yeah. like we had to fix a couple of heads. So it's a 12 color. Um I think two or three heads were not running very well. I think probably he never used them up in Queensland. Yeah. Probably they printed like two, three color jobs for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So there was a bit of rust involved and um, stuff like that. But um, no, we got it going and now all 12 heads are working. Yeah, that's, that's a brilliant bit of advice. Like just make sure that you've got the service in place. For buying the press because even if you get a really nice press and no one can service it it's useless isn't it because if that's it goes right. down then you're screwed yeah mm. that's right that's right yeah and then new press i wouldn't wouldn't have been able to afford um but if i would have bought brand new i would have probably gone for an mnr really? um, yeah. i printed for years on a sportsman i that's like what i learned the machine i learned on and i would have probably looked into this um, if you would ask me now, I would go for a test. Cool, because you just like yeah. it a lot. I, I really like it. And I like that they are just around the corner. You know, if, if you need a spare part, you don't need to fly it in from the States. And um, they will be here like in two and a half hours. If it's, we had like one flash breaking down, I bought a new one and called him and he was here like by lunchtime, you know. Bloody hell. So, so that's great. Yeah. Great service. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because if you're down for like a couple of days, that could be thousands of pounds gone, and then that's the difference of buying the more modern or better piece of equipment, probably. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. It's really tricky. Um, I obviously don't have a automatic. Can you tell me, like, actually, how many colors you can print on a twelve head? 
because it just seems that hardly anyone has like actually prints 12 color prints because they have to have all those like they have to have certain heads for like you know cooling down stations and all that type of thing like what's the most amount of colors that you would take on with your press i would say 10 um that's a bit stretching it um i have got three flashes i've been like for 10 obviously i need to uh, remove one excuse me um but yeah i would say 10 10 I, i printed once 12 colors on a 12 color um, machine and put the flash on the unloading station but that's oh no on the loading station actually but that's that's just mental you don't want to yeah. do that yeah, yeah. then you want to have like a 16 color or something like that you know yeah yeah so is that more about like heat management rather than because when you're working with an auto you more like dealing with heat rather than anything that some manual printers doing, which is like to do a pressure and speed and stuff. So is that the main thing that you're thinking about when you're trying to teach someone to operate your press, for example? Mm. I mean, like heat is obviously a factor, um, mm. but I mean, like everything else is like, it's like on the hand carousel as well, pressure, squeegee angle, timing. It's like, it's, it's a bit like, all what you have on the on the manual, but a bit faster. More scary, because you can yeah. mess up more, right? Exactly, exactly. I have got 14 boards. If one round is fucked, it's 14 <laughs> shirts. Yeah. You know, if you have a job of 50, that's that's a big chunk of it, you know? Yeah. And then with water space, you can't even just keep the screens on there. <laughs> like you can't so like oh. that's right. That's right. Uh, so when you're talking about like uh do you have any like how do you do the pre-reg stuff do you like have a system or are you lining your screens up by eye and like sticking film on the platen or how are you doing it yeah at the moment i've been mean, like back in the days we on the on the m and r we worked with the trilog system which mm-hmm. is amazing and they have a similar system for the tests but just if you have a um, direct to screen printer. So um, 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 if you, otherwise you need to really put the film always at the same spot. Mm. So um, I'm, we are thinking about like how we're going to build something like that, but we don't really have a conclusion yet. So at yeah. the moment, what we do, we, we measure the film, tape it on the, on the screen and then line it up on the film on the press. Um, yeah. which is a bit time consuming compared to like a registration system but um, that's how it is at the moment yeah okay I understand do you do you think that's the most like what's the most difficult thing to teach people like how, like what does your team look like at the moment are you teaching anyone else to like, operate the press or are you taking those jobs on yourself um mostly i do it myself um but i have like two guys i'm teaching here um what's the most i usually say always double check yeah always double check don't even take it for granted when i say something always double check always look at the job sheet always um compare the colors always double check um don't Mm. just assume should be all right you know that's um that's the biggest that's when, when you whenever you think Chevy all right, think again. Um, yeah. because that's how my how I bit had the biggest fuck ups. 
It was like, yeah. oh, it should be fine, should be fine, should be fine. And 200 shirts later, it wasn't, you know. Um, so rather be a bit more anxious mm -hmm. and careful and slow, slow down. We don't need to like get that all done in two hours, you know. We can take yeah. four hours, but then it's right, you know. Yeah, 100%. Um, that's a bit the thing that I, um, um, apart from all the specifics here, you program it here you do this and here you do that you know mm. careful double check after the first flash if it's dry double check after the first flash if the t-shirt is scorched stuff like yeah. that yeah no that's a good one <laughs> go and actually make sure that you're not burning everything very slightly yeah, no. yeah exactly yeah um but all of that just comes from your experience trickling down so they may may have never messed up a job horrendously but you're like this can happen <laughs> you're trying That's to right. strike the fear into them probably um yeah th there's a whole yeah, other I know how much that costs to to fuck a job up like that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Time i would have to pay for it you know? yeah yeah it's not like their wages are going to get docked because they mess up 10 shirts probably um no yeah. no 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 no, no. no. that's not happening no um, can you tell us about this whole other part of your business that's really unique, which is all the um, all the workwear that you've brought back, like you've brought over, and uh, can you tell us like, yeah, like who's wearing it over there and and what it is? Sure. So that's basically how I started to came up with all these Fritz um, back in the days. So I thought it was like a funny old German name, and um, um, I started to. Well, it's not like that. When I came to Australia, I didn't like the work pens I could buy here. Um, mm -hmm. They were just cheap. And you got like when you're on your knees under the press and you get like holes everywhere all the time. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> so I went when I went back to Germany, I bought a couple of pants, these um, German work pants, really super sturdy, thick, um, traditional German work pants. And came back to Australia and a lot of people asked me, oh, they are awesome. Can yeah. I have one? Can I have one? And then I started importing them. Called the company in Germany and said like, oh, I've got a lot of people who are interested in it. And, and that worked. So, um, yeah. So I'm the, the um, only distributor of the pans in Australia. And, um, yeah, it's really interesting. So yeah. um, you have like a lot of people like tradies, but you have also people who just looking for something special because they look unique. They have these mm. double zippers and um, they, they look unique. So yeah, that's, that's how it all, that was my side hassle next. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. When I was basically, working do you call them lederhosen, right? They are still lederhosen, like, no. Uh, lederhosen no. is the, what's the difference between? Leder, leder is leather. That's a, leather. leder is okay. German word for leather. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and they're not made of leather, they are like um, cotton. So 100% cotton. Um, mm. But they look a bit like that, I agree. Yeah. Because the lederhosen have these two zips as well. Yeah, um, probably was inspired by that. I don't know yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, some of them are breeches as well, aren't they? You call, them actually, um, you call them actually uh, Zumthosen, which is like a uh, guild, like guild pants. As in like Traders Guild or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. And they okay. are very like um, roofies, carpenters. It's like just the traditional pants they wear. If you go on a construction site in Germany, you see them everywhere. 
So it's nothing really special there. It's just some ordinary work pants. Yeah. I read up about them slightly and they said, they said something like they'd give them these amazing like work pants or work trousers because then the young men would go off into from their village into like the city or something and learn their trade and they had to last them for the whole duration while they were away so when they came back they were like a master in their craft and something like that (laughs) that's right that's right that was back in the days a tradition when you made like your apprentice you made like three years apprentice and then after that you had to go like I think for a year or something um that's they call them journeymen so so after you finish your apprenticeship and you're a proper carpenter or whatever they sent you out and say like i think you were not allowed to get uh back to your village or like even in a like 50k radius around oh it or something like that um i think the idea behind that was like we taught you everything we know and now you get out and learn something new and then you come back and introduce mm. us with fresh ideas i think that's that's the idea behind it yeah. yeah and that still still happens not as much as back in the days but people still do that like yeah. in traditional um traits yeah that seems like a really good idea you're just kind of like forcing people to be like you know stand on their own two feet literally and um be independent yeah no yeah. that's a that's a cool cultural thing to have isn't it um have you have you seen any like what was the attraction to actually emigrating to Australia and like how easy did you find it? And did you have to have a job set up before you, you went over? You came over? No, not at all. Um, it was more like a coincidence. I wanted to get out of Berlin. Um, it was winter. It was dark. It was depressing. And um, I thought like I want to go somewhere where it's better weather. And um, but then I needed to go somewhere where I'm allowed to work and where I kind of speak the language. So there was not many choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, whatever, I'll go to Australia for a year, you know? And um, I arrived here and I had like a bit of savings, but that was definitely not much. And I arrived here and like after two week- weeks, basically my savings were gone. Oh, God. And then I was like, oh, I really need a job. And so since I'm a screen printer, I was went like to the first shop, basically, I saw. And he hired me straight away, said, like, oh, do you want to work, want to start tomorrow? And, and then I worked with him for 10 years. So I haven't had anything set up here. Um, yeah. But it worked out very, very well. So yeah. it, it was really, for me, it was easy. Yeah. But obviously it's not for everyone, you know. I was a bit lucky as well. Yeah. But you I think um, we've had a conversation before about you saying that actually Australia they they need more screen printers in Australia. So that's right. Yeah. What, that's what right. are those they kind don't... of lists or something that they've got of occupations that they need to fill or yeah, they they we have a labor shortage here anyways, and that was 10 years ago was the same. And um like they, for example, screen printers, you don't can you can't get in like a real apprenticeship as a screen printer. So mm. if you become a screen printer here, you learn it somewhere. You 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 start stripping screens somewhere or cleaning or being a helping hand, and then it evolves a bit. Um, 
And I think that's a bit the problem. So you'd never have someone who says like, oh, yeah, I'm doing that for 10 years, work there and there and there. You have a lot of people who's like, oh, yeah, I did a bit here and it did something there and I did screen printing once or something yeah. like that. Um, if you have someone coming walking in through the door and say like, oh, I'm doing screen printing for 15 years, this shop, that shop, um, you get hired straight away. Um, mm. We had like this American dude we worked with like five years. He walked in and he was basically hired straight. It was like, oh, you want to come? You want to start tomorrow morning? You know, yeah. because I've got this job like right here. Don't let him go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's very really funny. Um, so, yeah. like, and uh, you have like screen printers on the the, the Australian government uh, release like an occupation list. What what kind of trades they use uh, need. And um, screen printers are on that list. So that was a bit my ticket because back in the day, screen printer was on the list as well. So I got a sponsorship from um, from uh, my boss and um, that worked really well because it was a trade that they looked for, you know? Yeah, that sounds perfect. Like it, it does seem like you've made it quite easy over there, but I'm sure you've had like some difficulties as well. But do you, do you find yourself like going back to Berlin like every year or something to see family or are you quite settled over there no i haven't been back for five years now i guess mm -hmm. um but also my wife is from japan so mm -hmm. it's a bit like tricky um yeah. so going to japan and going to germany and then my um my family visited me here my dad came over oh, a couple of years ago so it's a bit uh, then we went to japan and it's it's a bit it's hard I, I can't in the I think the first couple of years I, I went over every year like for Christmas but mm. then you miss a summer here you know and you're sitting in fucking minus 20 degrees yeah. <laughs> you were just supposed to be in a nice warm cozy country right you but yeah exactly yeah. so so it's a bit hard I I, I try to make it next year in in, in, in springtime something yeah yeah um so like apart from the uh from the work pants and stuff what other things would you want to bring over to australia that you like think australians need is there anything like that you're like seeing another gap in the market for anything or i'm not too sure i'm no, not too sure <laughs> yeah it's tricky and um it's often like my own taste is not necessarily um the taste of everybody else here yeah. Um, but and the other thing is it's a lot, a lot of work to start something like that as well I'm not sure if I want to do that again yeah you want to yeah. phase it out with the screen printing and just have it as a cool, <laughs> cool side yeah I, I'm like I keep the, the pants business you know um, but that's more like um, a bit like a gimmick you know yeah yeah yeah, that's cool. Um, so what's what's the thing in your studio at the moment that's restricting you so like often people have like something that they're pushing up against so something like they haven't got enough staff or uh they, they need another press or like space or is there any like what's the thing that's maybe holding you back or like um, yeah, at the moment i would i would say screens i need more screens really um, yeah, yeah. Um, that's like I mean like I'm building up slowly but um, in the beginning when I when I moved here I had like what 30 screens or something and then you have like three egg color jobs you know wow, so <laughs> yeah or something like that you know and so I had like 
a couple of weeks where I mean, like, I haven't, I don't know how many screens I have. I, I have more now, but I had like a couple of weeks where I stripped my screens twice a week, all wow. of them. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's serious. Because you, you so, are doing some really complicated work, aren't you? What needs a lot of screens. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. So and then this is um it's a bit also you know this this job will come back in like mm. three, four weeks, but I just can't put the screens on the shelf. I will have to reshoot it, you know? Yeah. So yeah. this is really time consuming and annoying especially because you know it it will be annoying it's it's always there and you mm. know it but it's like just no way around at the moment um yeah. so i put like always a bit money on the side and get like five new ten new screens and stuff but it just takes takes a while until you have enough you know yeah we're doing that as well actually we're like right we need literally the same as you we need like 10 new screens and then you're thinking that's a big, it's quite a big outlay. And then how long is that actually going to take to get it back? Because you always have to be like weighing up whether it's just something yeah. nice to have, or if you're, if you could be more economical and figure out how to use your screens more effectively. But if you're doing crazy detailed work like that, you're going to need lots, aren't you? Um, yeah. Can I ask you about like your, how you deal with like artwork separations and stuff like that? Are you doing it yourself? Are you sending them out or? Like who does all of that kind of work? I think 90% of the separation I do. Um, it depends a bit. If like um, nowadays you get like a lot of vector-based stuff, so mm. which makes it really easy. Um, when I get like simulated process or stuff like that, um, I source that out. Mm. So I have a guy sitting here also in Melbourne. He's doing great stuff and he's in the business for... I don't know, 25, 30 years or something. And yeah. he's just uh, magic. Yeah. What he does. Photoshop, you know? Yeah. So if I have something where I think like, nah, I don't want to touch this, oh, I give it to him. Yeah. yeah. So like, what kind of guidelines do you need to give to people when you're outsourcing it? Because I've always done it with like, um, you know, separation software in-house and stuff. But do you tell them like, this is how many heads I've got on the machine and... Do you, how much guidance do you give them or do you let their experience guide you instead? Uh, what the guy who does the separation for me? Mm. Uh, yeah, he knows how many, uh, how many. Uh, usually I call him and uh, send him the artwork and ask like, what do you think, how many colors? And then he says eight. And then I say, let's make seven. Yeah, um, yeah. you're trying to squeeze <laughs> him down again. He's so like, so it's a bit like spotlight. Yeah, it's a bit <laughs> negotiable, you know. Or sometimes he calls me back and say, like, mate, we really need another gray in there or whatever. And then it's like, yeah, all right, let's put the other gray in there, you know. <laughs> um, so no, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. He, he knows mm. my press. Um, I know him for yeah, 10 years now as well. Um, yeah. so um it's always a good chat. Yeah. Do, do they also tell you like the order to do it in and when to do flashing or like how really yeah they guide you that no, not the flashing um no. he tells me the order usually um sometimes on the press you can change that sometimes it looks just better if you print whatever the blue after the red instead of before or something like that uh, but usually he gives me a, a, an order um but flash and stuff like that that's up to me yeah yeah um so like 
Are you ever designing and printing for yourself, like your own artwork or designs, or are you literally to have time for all that? Or like um, that's basically how I got into screen printing. Mm. <laughs> so um, yeah, exactly. That's why, why I wanted to learn screen printing and why I was fascinated by it. Like, oh yeah, I can print my own design on a T-shirt. Um, but I'm not big of a designer actually, and. Um, but yeah, back in the days, that was like one of my major things, like, oh, that's awesome. And we can put all kinds of political stuff on T-shirts. And <laughs> um, you know, um, yeah, I, I love that. But um, I'm not really a designer. And here I'm selling my designs and I'm not good in it or it doesn't. Yeah. It's not my thing, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm a pretty bad designer. I'm not, um, but I can, I can spot when it's good and I can like commission stuff but if I sit there with like a pen and paper I can't actually draw but I, I'm also like a technician do you think you're more yeah. of a technician yeah. yeah 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 I'm a bit like this as well yeah I'm fine with that I can take other people's beautiful designs and break them That's down right. I mean I can put up some if they give me like oh we want to have something here and give me some elements you know I can put them together yeah so that it looks good or whatever yeah. but I'm not like, yeah, I'm designing your thing, you know, which is really hard as well, because then they don't like it, then it's going back and forth, back and forth. Mm. And then you're sitting there for hours and you're not sure what, what to charge there anymore, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's oh, I don't like that. Yeah, no, that's tricky. Do, do customers ever come to you with an idea and you're like, I need a design first? And like, how are you, do you say, go to this designer, they'll sort you out or is that yeah it to, depends a bit if they have a if they have a good idea if they're nice guys i'm i'm happy to try to help or mm -hmm. we we try or i say like oh, come in and we make something up depending on what it is if it's um i have the experience as well some some people want to really um um save the money for the yeah. designer and want to make a company logo and i like, oh, just put something together here there and there and that's usually where you get burned because then they don't like the first one and the second one and it's going back and forth. And you never talked about like, oh, you have to pay me this and that, you know? Yeah. So it depends a bit. It's a bit tricky. Um, yeah. I had some clients where it's actually fun, like um, this like motorbike club. Um, they're doing once a year, whatever, 50, 60 shirts for their um local club and he comes out like oh i want to have a chicken here's a chicken can you put it like <laughs> on the front seat or something like that you know that's that's actually fun um yeah and then it's like like the design for a gag you know like everybody gets a shirt once a year everybody has a laugh and that's that's fun stuff that i like you know yeah have you have you found that you're um you're doing work for the community and being known like in the city a little bit more like are you doing a lot of local jobs and how how are you kind of like uh getting into the community and working with them or are you kind of like quite separate as like a studio mm, I think I, I I'm known because I I, I was running the other shop mm -hmm. so that's how I got like a lot of contacts and a lot of yeah met a lot of people mm -hmm. and um and here it's now it's it's a bit like sure the neighbor comes in and says like oh we need like t-shirts for the guys in the, in the warehouse and stuff like that you know mm. um 
And usually you make it a bit cheaper when the, when it's neighbors anyways, you know? Mm. Um, um, yeah, I had, I had another question, which was like, I know that you've worked in that other studio and then you're doing your own one. How do you make sure that you're not like poaching customers from the old studio? And like, how do you go, no, these are my customers. These are, these are fresh ones. They, they found me, not the other way around. Like, is there any conflict there? Uh, no, I talked with my old boss about that. Mm. Um, and that's pretty easy. He he gives me a lot of customers as well. Mm -hmm. Like whenever it's like he has too much to do or it's too many colors or he just doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Or <laughs> for whatever reason, um, he just forwards me the email and says, like, oh, can you take care of it? Yeah. Um, so we have a very, very good relationship. And um a couple of customers try to come over to me and say, like, oh, mm -hmm. now we can come straight to you. And I said, like, no, 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 no. Um, you need to talk to Andrew first. I, I'm yeah, not yeah. stealing one's client here. Yeah. Um, and I think um, he knows that. So it's like we are on really, really good terms. And that was really important for me as well when I left because, I mean, like, we worked 10 years together, you know. So mm -hmm. you develop, like, an a relationship a friendship so and i didn't want to blew that after 10 years like oh fuck off now i do my own shit yeah, um, yeah. exactly so I, I want to keep that relationship and uh, that works very well yeah do you, do you ever have to give jobs over to him because uh they don't want water-based or anything weird like that or is it mainly from him to you no yeah. mainly from him to me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So it's tricky though, isn't it? Because he's 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 like uh, trained. Well, I don't know if, how much training he gave you, but you've now developed into your own parallel studio and then you've got people working for you. So they might actually, you know, get experience in your studio and then maybe become your competition. So, sure. yeah. How, how do you kind of like deal with, training them but also like maybe knowing that they're going to leave one day like how how do you know how much time to invest in your staff uh that's a tricky question you never know you mm. never know um for example at the old studio we had like um, a japanese backpacker and everybody said like, oh, don't train him up he will be gone and he will be gone he ended up studying here in melbourne and now mm. he's actually doing my job at the old company so oh, really and nobody would have thought that, you know. And I was like, mm. "No, nah, no, nah, he's he's fit. Let's let's put him on the machine. Let's teach him, you know." And um, that worked out well. But um, it can go the other way around. Um, I think, yeah, I never know. Um, at the moment, I'm training a guy. I don't know. Probably he leaves next year or whatever. But what do you want to do? You know, what's the alternative? Not training anyone and just yeah. keeping little secrets by yourself. It's yeah. Um, and I think the best thing is like just keeping like in, in case something happens, like you just said, like, oh, they make up their own shop, like in a couple of years, just try to keep a good relationship, you know, yeah. like, like my boss did with me or I did with my old boss, you know, it's like a bit sharing the laugh, you know, mm. when I have problems and I don't know, like, uh, what's with the neon pigments, why is this and how did we do it? Like, I have no problems to call him and he has no problem. Like, I uh, made use this and use this, you know, um, yeah. so, or he calls me, how do you do this? Yeah, I do it like this, like that, you know, like helping each other out. I think that's yeah. the best. And even if someone leaves, probably you can still profit on it, you know? 
Yeah, 100%. Or work together. Yeah, you definitely do need friends in this industry because silly little things can really disrupt your whole day or even ruin it because you just don't understand something. So do yeah. you think, apart from him, do you have any other like studio owner friends or colleagues or any groups where you can chat and ask questions or give advice to? Sure. I mean, like um, my supplier, for example, he's pretty good um you can always call him he's he's really nice and always likes to explain mm. um and then i'm uh, i'm a member of a couple of facebook group of facebook yep. groups um i'm not really talking there i'm more like sneaking and like yeah. uh, there are a lot of problems that like just always come on yeah, yeah. two weeks you know stuff mm-hmm. like that um but yeah, I'm I'm trying to keep myself a bit up to date. Look what's like. I I, I like your um you mentioning like the white blocker. That's mm. an interesting. Thing. I, mm. I will have a look at it straight away. Yeah, well, um, they haven't done it yet. That's just that I was just in there uh, asking them like, what is the thing that you want to develop? And that that's like the golden thing in their head that they're trying to achieve, but they haven't done yeah, it. Yeah, it's funny because you you need the coal for the block. Yes. Yeah. So. You need to create white coal or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Or have a yeah. coal powder in there that's completely absorbed by white or yeah. Who well, knows? Make it ash first, yeah, which yeah, is white. Yeah that's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's silly. I know. Yeah, that's no, funny. So um can I ask about because obviously in Australia, um you've got completely in my opinion very difficult circumstances to be printing water-based ink in like have you got like crazy high humidity and all the things that you'd normally fight against like are you having to put in foggers or how are you dealing with like the flow of the water-based ink are you like spraying it or how are you um usually we're spraying it i mean like um we are in the my electrician was in today we are thinking about like building a little fogging fogger like that hits like when the squeegee hits the end mm. um that it hits like a little button and then it gives like just a tiny uh little um mist uh, on the ink mm. we're thinking cool. about that but at the moment we're just like running around with spray so mm-hmm. which is obviously not ideal but um yes yeah, see what happens but i would like to have like this just a little spray bottle on the end and it hits the button when the when the squeegee runs over it hits the button and then just sprays a tiny tiniest bit just to keep the ink moist you know mm. um that would be great that would be great so we are trying to figure out um how we do that um, yeah i bet you develop yeah. it and then sell it to all the other screen printers and that's your next side hustle uh, <laughs> in my case i develop it and i'm so proud and brag about it and then someone else yeah. builds it and patents it <laughs> yeah but it could be something imagine if it's something just really easy like you put an extra long lever on your spray bottle and then when the squeegee puffs it it's just like psh. you yeah, just yeah, don't yeah. have to engineer it at all <laughs> yeah it can't be it there 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 is an easy solution i guess you just have yeah. to dig into it mm. and then make it happen you know yeah yeah are you but, quite good at doing that kind of thing, like making and fixing things in the studio? Oh, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love building and fixing and um, trying and repairing and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
It's, it's interesting that you did say that you'd get the same press again or like their bigger version or something like. Yeah, you... I would buy, buy a new one, obviously. I mean, like this yeah. one is like almost 20 years old now. Um, but I was recently at the factory and they showed me the new 16 colors. Beautiful, beautiful machine. Um, it's way smaller than mine as well. I was like, wow, 16 colors and smaller than my 12 color. Bloody but hell. I have this. Yeah, but I have these massive boards for printing details. I think I have a print stroke of one and a half meters or something like God. that. Yeah, one and a half meters. Yeah, yeah. It's, hang on, it's 44 inches. That's insane. I'm looking at that now on my roll. Wow. So you have to go that, but details aren't that big, are they? Like, how big do you have to go? That's just the maximum capacity, and then you go here for details. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Or... That's a maximum print stroke. You know, yeah. you can adjust it, obviously. You yeah. don't have to make like one and a half meters when you have like a design like that, you know? Yeah. Um, sure. D does uh, it become yeah, it like, sorry, does it become like less accurate at the beginning and then like accurate and then less accurate again? Or how does it apply uh, that much perfect yeah, force? It depends on your off contact and the screen tension. I think if you have everything dialed in, it shouldn't be a problem. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. I've never thought of that. So it's I just mean, the I footprint smaller. Designs, like whatever, 60 centimeters for the biggest one, I guess. Um, and there you can have easily problems with the rego if like just the off contact is a tiniest bit higher um, mm. or the screen tension is lower on the one mesh than on the other. So on a, on a short little chest print, doesn't matter. But sure, as long as you go, um, the longer you go, the more problems you have. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I just, I'd never imagined that big because I've, I've always done, I thought I was doing quite big stuff on my little manual. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, I'd never find t-shirts that can hold something like a 60 centimeter image without having to like just stick to XLs and double XLs and triple XLs. But that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Mm, yeah. It's interesting. So like um, what's coming up this week and like, what have you got on your jobs that you're looking forward to? That's a good, I uh, have to print a couple of transfers. Um, we did that recently, also water-based. Um, also you're with Magna. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We print them on the hand carousel and then press them on a really cheap head press. I have to buy a new one as well. It's horrible. <laughs> I bought it for one job for 150 bucks or something like that. It did the jobs, and then I was like, and then I was greedy. It's like, ah, oh, I do another one with it. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's that's uh, how kit sticks around, isn't it? It's because it's not dead yet. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, no, it's all right. It's working as long as it's working. Oh, I'm going to use it, but it's not really great. So it's like not the heat all around, you know, not the same heat. It's a bit colder on the edges, and so it's a bit bit iffy. But and then we have like a couple of cat related things um and a couple of bands mm -hmm. uh, and a couple of basketball stuff cool uh, and two tattoo studios so that's what's going on for next week yeah nice or this week. yeah yeah perfect that's a good spread then so you kind of got like two of each almost you got like some sports and right. tattoo studios that's right that's yeah. right yeah yeah, I, I, I really like tattoo studios and bands because that's like usually the nicest designs. 
Yeah. yeah I mean, and I have like, no like, people who really like, oh, one color print, one color print, one color print. But I really enjoy like um, um, being a bit challenged. Yeah. Have you ever like actually? Are you quite a tattooed guy or anything? Because the, the tattooists uh, yeah. often want to give you tattoos, don't they? So. Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I accidentally fell into that trap. Like, um, you do a job for them, and then they're like, "Oh, just uh, come down, and I'll give you payment in tattoo work." You know, I don't even know what I want, but that's, that's a slippery slope. Yeah, I, that was my left arm. <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason for that. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So do you think you're quite happy with uh, the clientele base that you've got at the moment? Is there any other like sectors that you're trying to get into or any like perfect customer that you're like trying to, you're working hard to get or are you just waiting for them to come to you? <laughs> I wait. Yeah. Um, no, so far it works really well. And um, <clears throat> I mean, like considering uh, we are up like for a year now, I think the press actually, we set it up like 11 months ago or something like that. I think it was beginning of December last year uh, where we set up the press. So it's like, I try to consolidate everything a bit, like mm -hmm. try to structure into everything and organize everything. I mean, like the warehouse was completely empty when we moved in. So like the inks were on the floor and mm -hmm. you know, like, so like building ink shelves and like, just bringing a structure into it, like in a, in a, in a process, like with the two people who, uh, who I'm working with. And when we, when we got this and we have the feeling everything runs smooth, mm -hmm. then we see like further. Yeah, exactly. They, that's my yeah. idea. The moment I'm not thinking about like, oh, I want to have this client, I want to have that client, you know, I want to mm -hmm. bring like structure into everything, like make it like, now it's running nice and smooth. We make a bit of money, you mm. know. That's also in the first year, like, uh. yeah, this is scary, though, isn't it? But you've gone into it's it in a really scary, scary year because of all like energy bills and stuff. Has it, has it energy a massive concern over in Australia? Because it's, yeah. it's horrendous oh. for us. It's like doubled. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know Europe is horrible. Um, here it's not as bad. Um, um, because we produce. Uh, we export a lot of coal and gas mm. and so i think we don't need to like europe has to import everything yeah um I, I mean like the prices are rising here as well because um it's so stupid they 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 export the coal but the consumer in australia basically pays world market prices because they ex export the coal mm. so you know yeah. australians can't say like oh we pay less because it's ours they say like, oh well, then we ship it to Britain, <laughs> yeah, or wherever, exactly. you know. No, yeah. So yeah, um, but but it's not as bad as in Europe. Uh, I mean, like, I hear horror stories from my family and from friends as well, and here it's not as bad, um, mm. but certainly a concern. Yeah, I would I'm, love to go solar. You'd love to go solar, yeah. Well, you've got the sun for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But being self-sufficient must be the goal because it's, yeah, it's pretty, you can't really plan because even yeah. with the like garment prices going up all the time, yeah. I can't, I can't have a quote. I used to have quotes where it was like, oh, this is, this is it for 30, 60 days. And now it's like, no, this is like, I'm promising this for two weeks because <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but yeah. yeah. 
how do you keep on top of all that are you do you take on all the finances and the books and are you doing all of that kind of planning or are you you getting any help with it from accountants or anything or Uh, let's say I'm not doing any planning (laughs) Uh, but (laughs) no um, I mean I have the same problem also with garment availability someone Mm -hmm. asked and you look it up because the whole two years was like always horrible with like like you couldn't fulfill any orders because Mm -hmm. this is out of stock that's out of stock this is out of stock and so now I'm like and I did a lot of times I said like, yes. And then you're actually selling the garment that doesn't not there. And then you have a massive backlog. That means like four months later, there's no money coming in anymore because you spend it all already, yeah. but you still yeah. have to order all the garments that are on backlogs that the people paid for already. Oh, you know? that's horrible. So, um, so what I do now is say like, I look it up and the garments are there and they say like, oh, if you pay today or tomorrow, I can guarantee the garments are there. If you pay next week, I can't guarantee. I order what's there, but there will be no back order. So yeah. I'm not printing on another four shirts because they are out of stock. You know, yeah. This this is a massive difference to like all the years before where it was mm. not a problem. You had that kind of job story once or twice a year, and then you can say like, yeah, I print this what four shirts for you um, when they come in. You know. Mm-hmm. This is just not possible anymore. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. But surely that's like helped by you guiding them to like one specific um, type of shirt because then you don't have to do all the looking around because that's something that we found. Like we just took out 90% of the catalog and then we yeah. don't have to go searching around for like 10 different shirts and figure out how to print on them. And so, that's right. yeah, yeah maybe honing down what they can have say no you haven't got yeah. choice anymore yeah but, yeah I mean like yeah. that was last year a couple of times like oh they need in this black kids shirt in the order like they don't have black kids shirts so you're looking on every other supplier just give me whatever kids shirts I don't care yeah. I just need yeah. 300 kids shirts yeah I know it was like we need like our own little black market I'm sure someone's just stockpiling it all anyway Probably. Someone with deep pockets. They've got yeah. all the kids' shirts. That is funny. <laughs> I, I, I was on a podcast, though, and I had a huge stack in front of me of all these black hoodies. Yeah. And then um, I'd had them for weeks. And then they were, like, saying, I just can't get these these specific black hoodies for love and money. And I'm, like, looking at the that pile of huge garments. And I've got his, I've got the ones that he is <laughs> competing with me to have. Yeah, it's funny. So you were the hoarder. Oh, well, accidentally, I was just a bit quicker on the button about getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely who you know now, like how you can get your stuff. Yeah, it's a free for all. Um, are, th- are there any like um, uh, shop hacks or anything that you think you've developed that you could tell anyone about? Um, I was actually after we talked about that last time, I was really thinking about it, but I think like documentation is really mm-hmm. the one. Um, write it down so you don't have to guess next time. Um, Write down the recipe for the ink, write down how many rounds you did, even flash times. I mean, I don't do that all the time, but um, like in which order you printed it. And if it's like not something where you think like, oh yeah, that's easy, that's obvious, just write it down and Mm -hmm. um, it will save your life later. 
it's yeah. it saves your life and um i had that like when we started the whole thing with like um putting like the job sheets in an archive and like really make sure and the first time it happened and you pull out the job sheet and you have all the infos in there you're like hallelujah and then <laughs> you don't have to guess like half an hour which red did we use do we have still some sample prints some test prints somewhere yeah. in the box yeah. you know it's like yeah. it, what what color did I print last time for how many rounds was it <laughs> you know you, you don't have that anymore and this, this is just a great help yeah it's it's a bit annoying but it costs you like five minutes more and the five minutes are annoying but the half an hour later like half a year later is even more annoying you know yes. so that's that's what I would say documentation yeah. That's brilliant advice. Um, can I ask you just one last question? Do you have like shop management software or have you figured it out in another way? What do you think? Um, no, I don't. I, I looked into Printavo and TSUM and there are a couple of others. Um, but I frankly I just couldn't afford it. Um, yeah. Um so hiring another I, person. I, just make every, I, I do everything with templates. I have like um, Excel templates for run sheets for uh, basically for everything I have a template and um, that's the way to go. I mean, like uh, I'm, I'm still interested in this, um, in this shop software, but um, needs to yeah need to print a bit more t-shirts for that. I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just make, wait, wait, wait until that's the pain point, and then uh, maybe exactly. make the jump. Yeah. yeah. Do you use any? Um, I've looked into Printavo too, and I got all the run-throughs, and I was like, oh my god. So the decision for us was either we put everything into this, but we had so many different parts to our business that it wasn't like a hundred percent shirts. So yeah. we were going to have to put all our calendars and working all of our other custom products into Printavo. And it was just yeah. too much of a, it was, I might as well have paid someone to sit in the corner and process it all for me. Yeah. And that that would have been easier than changing everything. I think that's how you, they get you as well. Like they get you to invest all your time and processes into it. So much, even the payments, do so you have to take payments through them now as well? And they take a percentage. Oh. That was like a recent yeah. uh, uproar with Pintava, apparently. Um, yeah. But they make it so difficult to leave that you can't. So then then you're stuck. So, yeah, it might be really brilliant and efficient, but I want that freedom so that I can change part of my business or like... So, yeah, I just use um, uh, Asana for tasks and calendars and things. And then I'm really heavy on the templates like you. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. there's nothing that I've found that I can't do with my own automations so that's yeah. right i think it makes more sense when you have really like when the shop is so big that you don't have an overview over it anymore mm. you know i think that it makes really sense um because otherwise it's everything is out there and you just sitting in your central command and don't actually know what's going on you know yeah. what's ready what's be printed right now what's printed tomorrow and stuff like that yeah um yeah but yeah, same time. It was just too expensive for for a lot of things I probably don't need as well. Exactly. You know, at the moment. yeah, yeah. But a lot of these calendar ones are so they just they're just adding features constantly uh, and integrating yeah. in everything that you, you know, 
now when you look at it they're very very similar whereas it used to be like they were at the forefront yeah cool well i really appreciate all your time at the end of the day and stuff i know you had to do it where it's late for you thank Thank you very very much. much have a good day 